Hi, this is a Conversations with Creatives podcast for Opus. In this final episode of our current series, Conversations with Nature, we're joined by Charlie Easton, Andrea England, Ken Folks, and D.F. Gray to discuss how to communicate landscapes in plein air. The practice goes back centuries, but was really made into an art form by the French Impressionists. New technologies and transportable materials allowed a new generation of trailblazing artists to create beyond the four walls of the studio, offering freedom to capture their surroundings and the ephemeral qualities of light in unprecedented ways. Today, painting plein air is one of the purest and most pleasurable ways for many of us to capture a landscape. At one with our surroundings, were challenged to harness the emotional and sensory qualities of a particular moment in an ever-shifting world. From a family of British artists, Charlie Easton moved to Canada in 2006 and immediately fell in love with the same scenery that inspired many of the Group of Seven. A prolific painter of landscapes and seascapes in both oils and acrylics, he is the recipient of numerous awards and is represented by galleries across North America and Europe, where he regularly has solo exhibitions of his work. So my name's Charlie Easton. I think probably what sort of differentiates me from a lot of other people is that I do the majority of my work outside, uh, rain or shine. And uh, of course, I do a lot of studio work here, but generally I like to get outside, mix it up, into these beautiful places uh, that surround us here in Canada and see what I can get out of the experience. You've always got to be open to what the weather and the scenery is going to give you, but the amount of painting trips that I've done where I've gone, I need to go and paint this peak, and then it's covered in a cloud is just, you know, it's remarkable. It's all the time. So then you get there and you go, oh, well, actually, I can't paint that peak as I wanted to. But there is this also incredibly beautiful stream or creek or waterfall or woodland uh, scene with the light streaming through that I can go and paint. So there's a I'm quite determined of what I'm trying to achieve, but also you have to be open because you're, you're never going to get exactly what you go for. Often in a landscape, I'm trying to capture movement or an emotional response to a place. So if I go to, if I'm at the top of a mountain, I feel like I'm about to ski down it. And so I'm trying to capture that motion. But also at the same time, the exhilaration of being on that peak. I don't really like paintings when, they're, when they feel static. I like to have a painting to feel like it's an experience, an active experience. So if the water, if I'm painting water, I want the water to feel like it's moving. If I'm painting um, a an ocean scene, I want to make it feel like the tide is coming in and out. If I'm painting at the top of a mountain, I want it to feel like, as I said, I'm about to fall over down the cliff or I'm, or the mountains are rearing up. So there will always be some aspect of, mo of movement or motion within the scene, uh, but, but also tied with a, an emotional reaction, which could be anything from being feeling incredibly humbled by a place to feeling energized, like you want to dominate it and go and climb up that peak. The fundamental questions that uh, I ask myself 
what is it that really interests me in this scene? How does it make me feel? What are the bits that help me tell that story? And what are the bits that I can completely ignore and leave out? And I think when you are uh, painting plein air, there are so many stimuli that you could get bamboozled by it. And I think people often do. And the reality is when people look at your paintings, they want to see one or two elements that you've articulated very well that speak volumes about that situation, about how it made you feel and you know what are the most important parts. And so our job as plein air painters is more documentarian, more editor than it is trying to capture every single detail because otherwise we've got cameras, you know, cameras are so good these days and we all have one in our pocket. You know, if you're out and about and all you're doing is trying to paint every single part of a scene, well, you're gonna lose in comparison to a, to a phone. If you can go out there and say, these are the two or three things as part of this scene that make this an incredibly important place to paint, then you're gonna get you know, a far more compelling story on your panel uh, as a result of doing that editing process. Once you know what interests you, you can then basically strip away everything else. Um, you know, people have talked in the past about name your painting before you start it. And, you know, it, it, it infuriates me whenever I go onto Facebook or Instagram, or whatever, and I see artists putting up a painting and go, hey, what should I call this? It's like, well, what's it about? You know, that's the that's the crux of this. It's like, I get it. Art should be playful. It should be explorative. You should be able to go out and, and, and just try things. But ultimately, if you're going out to plein air paint, you are saying to somebody else through your painting, I have something to say. And if you don't know what that is, it's always going to be a bit loosey-goosey you're going to be focusing on stuff that maybe isn't central to your theme and you know your painting isn't going to have uh the power and the emotional impact that you might want it to have part of my practice and part of my educational development is that i've tried to become a faster painter outside you know monet talked about 20 minute envelopes of light and, and he would say that you could kind of couple two of those together in order to be able to create a painting session. So really you're talking about 40 minute painting. That's, that's what he was talking about. And I, you know, especially when you're painting at the beginning of the end of the day, really you're actually talking about more like 10 minute increments, sometimes five minute increments. And I would be much, I would be much happier to go painting and do four ideas four little sketches that have ideas within them than I would one that represents three different ideas that have come to me during a painting session and then it all gets mushed together and is a bit of a hodgepodge. If I know that it's going to be a consistent weather condition throughout a day, let's say if I'm painting down by a creek, I know that I'm going to have constant humidity around me so then i might take my acrylics if i'm going up and i'm 
let's say climbing up a mountain and i know that when i start painting it's going to be minus 10 and then it's going to get sunny you know those are great days to be out that's when i want to be in oil because i i know that i'm going to have more flexibility with uh with the paint um and then other times you know you go out in gouache uh, and watercolor and you can take a little bit of you know vodka and dip that in your paint and have a little nip and everyone's seems to be a bit better after that whenever you go painting outside you can't beat yourself up you've got to look at the positives you've got to have that attitude of i don't know what i'm going to get out of this today i've got an objective but i have to be open to whatever is going to be thrown at me the rain you can take cover for it the cold you can do star jumps but wind sometimes can really smash your ease around and, and and blow stuff into you and it's a real challenge to deal with the vast majority of the paintings that i do never see the light of day they are there purely for me to develop as a painter as an observer of places and effects and an interpreter of my emotions i know some really phenomenal art artists and all of those artists including myself will tell you that you get your butt kicked all the time when you go out and paint outside and if you're thinking about the end result as the only reason why you're painting then you're making a mistake in my mind you go outside to paint to learn about yourself to learn about the practice of art and to get better and to have an experience and at the end of the day when we all crock it and we're you know, on our deathbeds, we're going to look back at those collections of our experiences. And I think, personally, we're going to be better off as people if we've gone out and really looked at a place, really tried to understand how a place makes us feel. And, you know, that's all part of the human, the human journey. So, you know, it's less about those paintings and more about that process. And I think that is absolutely critical. When I was able to figure out that that distinction, my plein air painting took off. Andrea England is a watercolour artist based in Victoria. In her sailboat studio, she creates flowing seascape paintings, coastal landscapes and art inspired by the wildlife of British Columbia. Andrea's work is filled with the vibrant beauty of the West Coast and captures the tranquility, peace and calm of being by the sea or the dramatic moods of the ocean. I'm Andrea England. I'm a full-time liveaboard sailor and that really influences my art practice and the subjects that I tend to paint. I, I work in watercolours primarily. Um, they're really convenient for working with on the go. As we're sailing, um, I like to try and sketch what we see. You know, inspiration can pop up at any time, sometimes literally in the case of uh, whales and orcas and seals. So. Um, yeah, I like to keep my sketchbook nearby. Uh, it's a really relaxed way of choosing what I want to what I want to paint, what I or draw or engage with. Um, I find that sketching takes a lot of the pressure off. Um, it's fun, and I don't worry quite so much about the results as I do when I'm sitting down to work on a finished painting. You know, sometimes I'll be drawn to. Um, might be the colours that I've used in a sketch. Um, there might be a particular composition that stands out for me, uh, or just you know the memory 
that it brings back and a moment that I want to share with people. So I can then go back through those, you know, I sort of have the essence on the page there. There's a connection a lot of people have to the ocean, especially watching watching the waves, watching the sea, you know, things kind of slow down. You know, if you let yourself pause, you breathe more deeply, uh, you really engage with where you are and it can be a very meditative experience. So through my sketches, I want to kind of capture that feeling for myself. And then through my paintings, I want to be able to communicate that and share that with other people. I'm very lucky in that I can interact with the sea every day. Uh, a lot of people can't do that. So I'm hoping that through my paintings, when they look at it, they get a little bit of that being by the sea experience. The first thing is the motion. You know, it's, it's never still. I think a sense of that comes through in my painting techniques there's a lot of flowing swirling lines a lot of movement going through everything i guess you know i'm very in tune with what's going on in the water uh the wind as well you know we're a sailboat so but that's pretty vital for us to to keep going and be moving around i'm not just constrained to painting and sketching on the beach i can get a a different viewpoint you know <laughs> sometimes sort of a wider view looking from the sea um, back to the shore and how the land is built up and I think sometimes gives me a feeling of how the sea and the wind have actually shaped the landscape as well I find that you know when we're sailing uh, whether I'm you know whether we've taken the dinghy to the beach whether we're at anchor I'm creating all the time uh, I can find it a little bit harder to get going, especially sketching when I'm in the city. So, you know, being out in nature, having all of those things around me definitely inspires me a lot more. As I change location, it varies, you know, the colors I might use, uh, the shapes I might use because I'm trying to create a sense of motion and create a feeling that what I'm looking at is alive and organic. Um, I'm particularly looking for uh, diagonal lines, I find, you know, and curves, which let me put a lot of motion and movement into, into the work. I tend to look at the landscape and try and have a few minutes to evaluate it before I start drawing. You know, when I'm looking at something and going, oh, yeah, this is beautiful, then just trying to figure out what why is this beautiful you know what is the focus what is it that I really want to show in my sketch or in my painting so you know if there is a particular rock formation say that I'm finding really really interesting um, then I'll try and choose a composition that will let me have that in you know, the, the main area, uh, somewhere that's really going to draw the viewer's eye so that when they look at it, they'll look at that and go, wow, that's, that's really cool as well. And then I'll think about how I can adjust things, you know, move my position or adjust things around it to enhance that so it's not becoming overwhelmed by whatever's around it. I want to try and have things look as close as I can to the way they are. But I, I tend to stylize things quite heavily as well. So I guess what I'm trying to look for is sort of the essence of that thing, 
that I'm drawing? You know, what is it communicating to me most at the time that I'm drawing it? Um, so, you know, if I if I'm looking at a tree, for example, you know, I don't even try and get every single leaf, you know, it, it would be too busy. My trees are quite simplified and quite stylized, but I also want, you know, if someone was to, to then return to that spot, um, I, I want to try and get things to a stage where, you know, they can then look and go, oh, hey, you know, that's that tree, that's that tree from that painting. <laughs> One of the biggest challenges, you know, especially for someone starting out painting plein air is just, you know, that amount of information that you're being bombarded with. If you have a go at sort of squinting at the scene, then it kind of boils everything down into lights and darks. You know, you get a sense of the value and it can sometimes clarify the composition as well. So yeah, I find that a, a really helpful technique and one that's worth returning to as I proceed through a sketch or through a, a plein air painting. I've got a little art toolkit pocket palette, which has got my watercolor paints in, which is you know, literally does pop in my pocket. So that is really handy. Um, I like to have a fountain pen with me. I like refillable pens, so um, you know, I can refill them with my own waterproof ink. Um, I tend to take a water brush. So, you know, I know I always have water in, in the barrel and I've got a little uh, Casanova travel brush as well. So if I'm in a situation where I can actually fill a little pot or a cup or a seashell with water, then uh, yeah, that's my preferred method to paint. But if I'm really on the move, then the water brush is, is handy and you know at least I can get some accurate, accurate colour down. Um, sketchbook, of course, and having a couple of bulldog clips to clip the paper together so the wind doesn't catch it uh, is really, really handy. Um, I like to have a spare pen as a fine liner and that is pretty much my core kit. You know, I'll pack other things occasionally, but I find the lighter I keep it, you know, everything apart from the sketchbook will fit in the pencil case. So it's really easy to grab, it's easy to carry, and then I don't have that sense of material overwhelm <laughs> or a long setup time. So, you know, literally if we're having a five minute tea break, I can I can do something. You know, one of the wonderful things about sketching or drawing or painting, you know, working plain air is taking the time to, you know, slow down and enjoy the experience of actually being there. You know, when we sit down and we draw, we paint and we're working plain air and we're actually there, we're coming up with a totally unique perspective on that place. You know, you and I could be somewhere and we could both take photos and they'd be great and they'd look exactly the same but you know I can guarantee that you know 10 or 20 of us could all sit down together at the same location with our paints and our brushes and we will all come up with something totally beautiful totally unique um yeah <laughs> you know we all have our own way of seeing and I think that really comes through when we sit down uh, to work plain air Senior member of the Federation of Canadian Artists, an elected member of the Canadian Society of Painters in Watercolour, Ken Folks is a celebrated plein air painter with a background in graphic design. Using energetic brush strokes and thick impasto paint, he captures natural settings under various conditions, skillfully evoking the essence of a scene. I'm Ken Folks. I've done a lot of uh 
plein air painting. Um, it's great to be outside, um, fresh air, and you're doing what you love, which is painting. So kind of best of both worlds, I'd say. Quite often I might uh, sort of go with a bit of a theme. It could be fields, could be, uh, you know, water, waterfront, lake. Mostly I have an idea. Um, I don't like to cruise around too much. And uh, the worst, the worst thing is uh, going out, not really knowing what you want to do or where you, and you just end up driving aimlessly sometimes. And especially when you've kind of painted areas a lot in the past and um, yeah, variety is the spice of life. And sometimes a painting trip just does the trick. You're, you're, it might be, you know, still trees in a field or something, but it's a different tree in field. <laughs> so uh, I've never really been into the, the big think tank of art, particularly. I'm a pretty straightforward guy. I, uh, something strikes me, I paint it. And yeah, there's not a lot of thinking about the reasons why or the uh, esoteric, ethereal, uh, whatever stuff about art. Uh, yeah, I'm a pretty meat and potatoes painter. So we get a lot of wind on on the island, especially around Victoria. So I've, I've painted in downpours too, but it's not optimal. Um, but when you get a downpour and lots of lots of wind, it's uh, you might as well go to the coffee shop and do a sketch there over a coffee. You know, the great thing about painting is you know it doesn't have to be thicker than paint to be a good painting. I mean, I love an economy of paint. Um, it's one of the things that's great about watercolor or a or a wash in oil or acrylic or or anything, right? But uh, I do love a buildup of paint too. It's, it's great what a, a blob of paint can can convey somehow. You might think the, the subject is a cloud and a tree and a field and rightfully so, but that's really just the inspiration and, uh, you know, reference for the painting. But you're not looking at a tree, you're looking at paint on a support. So the paint really ends up being the subject. So I figured the paint better be interesting, better be doing something interesting enough to look at and keep coming back to look at really. So. So while I'm painting, I guess the big thing for me is keeping that in mind. You know, go light um, with your equipment, but, you know, take the stuff you need as well. Um, make sure you can carry it um, if you're going to walk any any distance. Even a short distance, sometimes it gets, gets a little wearing if you got everything over one shoulder with a strap or something. So sometimes backpacks are better if you're hiking but there's nothing nothing like having some equipment that that works for you and and i guess it that's up to the individual so yeah i really have to try a couple things out i use a lot of local color i don't uh necessarily do a lot of uh, change with regard to the palette that's in front of me so white ultramarine burnt umber lemon yellow cat orange um, Quinn red and phthalo green, I think is about it. Sometimes I'll chuck some ochre out, but that, and that's, that's the sum total of, of colors on I'd use. I, and have, I don't uh, necessarily put them all out sometimes, but, or even if they are out, don't use, don't use all of them, but that's, that's what I would have in terms of the whole, whole deal. A lot of people do pencil sketches first and that sort of thing. I tend to just uh, get a little uh, lube on the end of the brush with some thinner and 
and draw with draw with the paint right on the on the panel. So that's how I get going. Usually waterfront of any description or um, farmland. That's where I've been going lately, mostly. So, yeah, around here, just with the usual locations, it's uh, pretty repetitive. Gets kind of kind of boring after a while. That's painting trips come in handy uh, for that. Just a different place in space, and everything's just slightly different. So it kind of uh, fuels you up to get at it again. It can be very social. Yeah, it's a nice package, you know, from day to day when you go out on a trip with friends. So, but I've I've done I've done trips by myself, and but I always end up in the you know diner to start with, and and uh, usually a restaurant or pub or something in the evening. I always get chatting to somebody. So, yeah, it's all that stuff's fun. Really rounds out the whole the whole painting trip experience sort of thing. Uh, I've never been a big believer in applying the psychology of competition towards art. I'm sure it might, uh, uh, you know, spark people or push people to do better and, and things like that. And, you know, all those things, it's, you know, it sounds like it's all fun, all those events and things, but uh, yeah, the actual psychology of competition being applied to art i've never never really agreed with you know because everybody's just doing their own thing and trying to do better with that thing so how you can say an apple wins over an orange i don't really i don't really know and i think it can um put different and possibly wrong pressures on people for the reasons why they're doing what they're doing it should be the enjoyment of the process really and and seeing you know where you go with that process on an, on an individual level so oh well, yeah i mean you're interacting with people is good seeing what they're doing they see what you're doing talking about it and all that stuff that's all great the interaction learning from each other but yeah initially going out painting years ago uh, for me it was you know getting down what was there uh even if it was a you know slightly edited or simplified version of it but uh these days, it's much more about uh, the paint and what the paint's doing, what I'm doing with the paint, uh, using what's in front of me as a reference and a starting point, you know, what comes from that through applying paint to a panel. I've never even entertained what it is I am or am not communicating. I'm just there enjoying the process. It's what I like to do. And, and ultimately, at the end of the day, it's, you know, if it gets to the gallery wall, uh, someone else's, it's, it's almost better to ask any given person looking at the work what the thing's communicating because, to them at least, because I couldn't tell you what it's communicating to me. I just enjoy the process. That's what I get out of it, the process. And, uh, you know, feeling a good about constructing uh, some kind of image with paint. I don't, I don't know how there's a communication there in the process. There's just an enjoyment for me anyway. D.F. Gray is a multi-award-winning plein air pastel artist who began his career as a sign painter, primarily working in oils and enamels. He decided to shift focus when he moved halfway up the east coast of Vancouver Island. 
The switch to dry pastels initially stemmed from a desire to differentiate his fine artwork from what was then his bread and butter. But once he got into it, it became apparent that pastel was the medium for him. Well, hello, I'm Dan Gray. I'm, I've used soft, soft pastel for close to 50 years. I think I've painted on seven or eight Cs. It's just where I find I'm interested in depicting it. I don't have to get a good painting when I'm standing at the sea, but I do have to be there painting it. I think the goal for me is to go out and experience what the day is like and interpret it, try to see it and interpret it in some way, even if it's in the same locales that I go to, try to see it differently. And with that, along comes the different seasons. I, I really enjoy the our Salish Sea in the snow because of the tide line that the snow, the water cuts off. It makes a really nice uh, pictorial effect. Crowds of people vacation here in the summer and there's uh, lots of people to meet, lots of people to, if you're out painting, um, People always like to see it. They always think it looks really good. Makes They just really like to see somebody creating, I think. And I find it's my main marketing uh, strategy is to be out in front of people, painting something pleasurable and letting them look and then, then engaging in where you're from and etc. So that works pretty well for me here. On, the, on our coast. The wind is my enemy. I have, I, I paint large uh, uh, pieces. Uh, the rain, I can tip my board forward and keep the rain uh, off of it, but it gets in everything. It ruins my other paper. And if you get rain on your pastels, it can turn them soft. So that the rain is, is another problem. The heat's always a problem when it's the hot summer days, it's just as uncomfortable. But that, that's it, it's a, the, the wind is the biggest deal. I use, usually go out with a Canson Meetianis paper. It's, uh, it's sold by Opus. It's uh, a, a good uh, paper to lay down colors on. It takes a lot of layers and uh, type of pastel that we got today is so much better, so heavier in pigment and, and so much more uh, deep in colors and hues. And uh, when I go out, I start off first by determining the direction of the light. I put a little X up in the corner of the side that has a light direction because the act of physically putting your hand up and making this little X helps me re reminds me through the rest of the painting that the light is from this side. And when I'm back in the studio, looking at the piece, usually it's still on the tape, the little X. And so if I continue on working on a piece, it helps me with a direction of light. So when I've got that done, I try to determine my horizon line. And then it's big shapes go in and general colors, general values. Um, and as the painting develops, I go to my lightest colors and then my deepest colors uh, to 
bring uh, dimension to the work. But it's it's pretty flat at start to start with. It's the layout. It's to find the composition that uh, will sustain me through two hours of work, and uh, the composition is probably the most important part. We have big trees that fall down in our winters, and we get big uh, driftwood logs that show up on our beaches, and it will be a new log at a familiar location where I've done the, I know the background of it, but it's a new painting and the logs are generally the main subject of, of this, this type of painting, but I know the background. So I'm looking at what's out there that I can walk to around this log and put in the back or the foreground that says where it is. And then the temporariness of the log that's arrived. It, the subject has to be the collaborator because it's, um, I'm not going far to paint generally. I know, I know what's here and what, what I'll find when I show up at the beach. I know the weather and the tides in particular. The thing that I'm interested in know whether I've got a falling or um, a rising tide because you've got to stop your tide line somewhere when you're painting it. It's, you can't keep painting it as it comes in. And it's very difficult to paint it when it goes out. When the tide goes out, it reveals all this little color, nice rocks, and, uh, and all of a sudden you're chasing the tide. So you've got to find a medium spot or a place in the tide that will make you happy. I don't make big changes. It's, I, I know to, start off light, I put start off with a light touch and I really force the pigment in at the end. So I can do some altering as I, as I go along. Standing, working, I'm at home with my materials. I know what to do. I knew what, it, what it, the, the, the form to take. I know what three quarters of the way along, it's, it doesn't look like what I'm hoping for. It hasn't turned out brilliant after brilliance, but I'm used to that. Now I'm used to this kind of a stage where your painting may not make you happy and it's, but you I push on through. The one thing I try not to do is look behind me. Cause when I get to that point, I would turn around and look behind me. All of a sudden that looks really good to me. Why didn't I start facing this way? This art is just like a poem like a song, like a novel. It's an expression of a human being being on the shore. It's an expression of my past and it's, it's human response to being alive in this time and this place that we find ourselves. It's a revolt against the modern society. It's a revolt against using cameras to um, work from. If I have my material and I'm standing out there, I've got something to paint, I am really alive. And people that are on vacation come along, I can tell them that and they, can, they understand it. If you've enjoyed this podcast and are looking to get outdoors and connect with your creative community, there's lots of exciting new activities plus plenty of prizes to be won in our Opus Plein Air Painting Challenge 2022. It runs throughout the month of June 
across all our stores and online. I'd like to thank Charlie, Andrea, Ken and Dan, alongside all the other artists I've spoken to in this Conversations with Nature series. And of course, all of you for tuning in. I'll be taking a little break, but we'll be back later in the summer, catching up with more influential creatives. Till then, here's to plenty of inspiration and great new art. Thanks for listening. <laughs>